From the Defense Acquisition University, this is The Learning Circle. This is The Learning Circle. I'm Anthony Rotolo, and I'm joined today by Jamie Muscoff. Jamie is presently a doctoral candidate at University of Southern California, but she's been a part of the technology and management field for the last 20 years. Her current focus is social innovation, and she's worked in higher education in the Department of Defense, as well as for large corporate technology companies. She's been a corporate consultant, and germane to this conversation today, she's a podcaster. She's the host and producer of a couple of shows, in fact. Notably, the podcast So Unbecoming, which is aimed at military spouses in the traditional workforce, as well as Owning Up, which is aimed at military spouse entrepreneurs. And if that wasn't enough, if she wasn't a serial podcaster enough, she's about to launch a new show called Leading Futures, an exploration of the future of work and the future of social work with the innovative C-suite executives that are leading us into tomorrow. Jamie, welcome. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm so happy to be talking with you today. I'm very excited to have you with us. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while in this setting. Now, the reason I asked you on, if there wasn't enough hint in that introduction, is uh, you've been very active with podcasting. It's safe to say that you're a believer at this point. Am I correct? Absolutely. Now, there's a quote that I love that sort of inspires me as a podcaster and also as a podcaster who lives in the context of this world of learning, learning and development and learning technology, the various technologies and techniques and and methods that we use to try to convey knowledge, transfer knowledge. It's a quote by Jay Cross, the late, great Jay Cross. He was a learning and development personality. He says, conversation is the most powerful learning technology ever invented. Conversations carry news, create meaning, foster cooperation, and spark innovation. Encouraging open, honest conversation through workspace design, setting ground rules for conversing productively, and baking conversation into the corporate culture spreads intellectual capital improves cooperation, and strengthens personal relationships. I love all the things that he captures in that statement. And I'm also thinking of how, by extension, that applies to podcasting. Because when you look at what podcasting has become, you look at how it's been used and applied, it's kind of a paradox. You know, we're using all kinds of sophisticated technology from the capture of it to the processing and producing to the distribution. But in the end, all of that stuff is invisible to the user. It all recedes. And in the end, what we present is simple human conversation. And it's very relatable. It's very powerful. Jamie, what to you is the promise of podcasting? I think for me, the thing that draws me to podcasting over and over again, just as a as a way from my own self to communicate is this idea that we can go back to kind of the very roots of our humanity and share stories with one another that inform us, that teach us, 
that um, allow us to hear the voices and the experiences of people we may not always have the opportunity to hear from. And I think that that's what's endlessly interesting about podcasting is it's always an opportunity to hear stories and tell stories and share that with an audience that could be interested um, or may not even know that they're interested until they hear the story. And, you know, stories in general just resonate with us as human beings. It's how we learn best most of the time. Um, so that's, that's what podcasting is to me. It's, it's that great opportunity to tell and share stories and hear stories and and to to grow and learn from them. I think I heard in that answer it's also providing an opportunity for folks who don't necessarily have a a platform per se. It's it's a it's you know we've got more microphones to pass around <laughs> and to allow people to express ideas. Yes. I mean it democratizes, you know, the media in many ways much like social media did. I mean, this podcasting has become the way that anybody could have a radio show if they really wanted to. You know, that's something I used to pretend to do when I was a child. <laughs> I really wanted to be on the radio and so I used to use a handheld tape recorder and just make up stories and and commercials with my little brother. And, you know, when I found out what podcasting was and that it was a medium that we could use to do the same thing, except do it with a very specific intent, that was just really exciting to me. And the fact that anybody can do that from their cell phone, from their computer today is really powerful. It puts a lot of um, power back in into people. It really does. I love that story. So this is a, a long, uh, a very long-term wish fulfillment scenario for you to be able to be that radio person. Oh gosh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, I, you know, a lot of us do. Uh, memories of playing with my Radio Shack cassette recorder and <laughs> all that stuff. And I'm old enough where I can tell stories about how I was taping television shows with audio cassette recorders because there were no VCRs yet. Oh, yeah. But you'd, and you'd be surprised at how many kids did that. I did. I absolutely did. And I would listen to it over and over and over again. It was great. Yeah, it's fun stuff. When you look at podcasting, I like your thoughts about social media. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems like podcasting is just kind of this almost organic extension of it as the technology has grown to add capacity and, and the ability to add richer media. Of course, we spend a lot of our lives in the mode of text, where uh, text is a very interesting animal in the sense of how it isolates verbal things, verbal thoughts and, and words on the screen. It kind of freezes thoughts and isolates them and frames the, the expression of the mind in that way. Mm -hmm. But with the podcast, you get to hear the voice and it's got a whole other type of dimensionality to it. I do think it's richer. I think people form relationships with you as the host, even if you haven't met them, but just mm -hmm. you, know, you become a voice that they get to know and identify with. wonder what your thoughts are on that if you kind of think along the same lines. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think over the course of hosting podcasts specifically, my first podcast, So Unbecoming, I would get messages from military spouses all over the world who I'd never met, uh, basically saying how much they appreciated hearing the experience of the military spouses that I was interviewing. And I realized, 
in those moments, how much of an impact that could have, because you're right, you can you can read someone's story, but it's it's has a greater impact on you when you can hear it. And you can hear the tone of voice and their expression and their emotions when they talk about very specific experiences. And it helps people relate to those stories and see themselves in, in the stories. And I think that that's so powerful. And probably one of the greatest parts about being a a podcaster is, you know, because I love to write. I love the written word. I think written expression is fantastic. Um, And a long time ago, I used to think um, I'll never get into audiobooks because I love books so much. But I will tell you that over the years, I will always get an audiobook if I know that the author is reading it. Because not only do you get to hear the story, but you get to really hear it in a more intimate in a different way than you would have if you would have just read the words on the page. And in the same way, I think podcasting has that effect on us. Um, we, we just can get a lot more out of a story by hearing everything that is in the voice of the person. I totally agree. I actually, I've had that same thought about audiobooks. I like audiobooks. I have, uh, actually a couple of audiobook accounts and, I love it when an author reads their own work because I'm thinking that the intonation and delivery is going to be the truest, mm-hmm. right? There's less of that sense of translation or loss of translation through the a secondary medium of a different person whose mm-hmm. those thoughts and ideas didn't come out of their mind. And uh, but podcasting gives you that it it gives you the emotional dimension. I I always love the Seth Godin quote that communication is the transfer of emotion. Mm. That always struck me with podcasting, how it, it, you carry the, the inflection and the intonation of the voice, where you know, how many times have you mistaken tone of voice in an email? Sure. Right? Sometimes I reread my own emails and I'm horrified. I'm like, <laughs> this person might think I'm yelling at them, and I'm not. I, it was actually the opposite intended tone. Right. So podcast makes tone unmistakable mm-hmm. and it can communicate words with the human voice and it's very, very powerful. So yeah, I, I love it for all those reasons. When you look at learning, how have your thoughts expanded on podcasting when you think of it as a learning technology or a part of the, the new repertoire, the new toolkit for learning technologists? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it's an interesting question because the very definition of podcast has evolved over the last few years. Um, I think, you know, podcasting has existed for well over a decade um, in its current format where people just have expected to, you know, hear audio on a listening platform like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, and that until recently has been a podcast, but now podcasts, um, can be YouTube videos that also have an audio component that might be published somewhere else or on published on one of those listening platforms. It might be Joe Rogan or something like that. Yeah. It might be, uh, you know, Instagram TV, which is a relatively newer technology on Instagram, you know, that could be a podcast, you know, again, something that combines the visual and the audio. So, you know, now that that definition of podcast is sort of wider, I think that gives us way more opportunity to look at 
the fact that we can take materials that are meant for learning and include them as podcasts, but then also have, you know, have visuals if we need to. Because I do think that when we're when we're talking about podcasting for learning, it it's great to have the audio uh, because a lot of people can very quickly consume it and go back to it and and run it back. But some people are visual learners. Some people learn are multimodal in their learning styles. So, you know, to have the audio, to have visual, to have something that is a companion to what you're putting together. I think podcasts are fantastic and very portable and flexible ways to uh, provide learners with content uh, in a different way than, you know, we traditionally would be learning in a classroom or even online as, you know, if you're sitting in an online classroom, which I do quite a bit, and it's synchronous learning, um, sometimes you miss what's going on. And it's nice to be able to play it back. Podcasts also give you, I think, the flexibility to learn and prepare things ahead of when you're actually supposed to be sitting and intently focused on something. I like that. I like that it podcasting can be the, the pre-work for learnings, not just the, the learning itself. Um, I just think it's very portable, it's flexible, and it's something that is easy for people to access. And, you know, when it comes to learning, I think those are all really important things in this day and age, the ability to take things with you, um, to have them be accessible, and then to have them be literally accessible to people who need them to be, you know, in learnings to be provided in different formats. Yeah, and it's very down to earth the way you're describing that, but you're implying a lot of strategies in, mm-hmm. in learning the way we can design a classroom experience so that we use that precious time in the classroom, which we're, we're probably going to see less and less of mm-hmm. in today's world, less ability to gather together in person. COVID sure has hit the gas pedal on right. things like that as the whole, all of a sudden, the whole world knows what Zoom is and other similar technologies. Mm-hmm. And maybe after a few months of adoption or deciding, boy, they, they kind of like it and maybe it's reducing some overhead expenses. But I think you're speaking to how we can strategically shift learning content to other arenas. And some of what you said is just kind of that simple, uh, you know, it, it's a real lifesaver when you have the tape to go back to, right? Mm-hmm. When either you, you weren't paying attention in class <laughs> enough or you, just your powers of focus may be better at another time yeah. or the ability to go back and take the deeper dive and, and give yeah. something scrutiny. All of yeah. these things are, are ways we can design learning now. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and then just the tools itself are really cool because you can, you know, we could have a podcast, but there are all kinds of tools that will will allow us to automatically generate a transcript from that podcast. So people can read it if they need to, um, if that's their preferred learning style. I mean, there's just so many ways I think that you can take an audio that might be a video also and just parse it out into different formats so that people as they're learning can access them in ways that they they need that are going to be effective for them. And they themselves, the learner, can strategically use medium like that also. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there are a lot of spinoff opportunities. In some cases, I think we can take a conversation like this or portions and then uh, sort of reverse engineer the video and visualize things. Mm-hmm. In in some cases, I've seen that done. I've, I love when I've seen YouTube videos where they take a speech 
from somebody, maybe a famous monologue or speech, and then they set a visualization to it. And that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, there's AI tools that will do that for you right now. They're not the best, but I've seen that you you can load a, a podcast in and then it will search the internet. And based on the conversation that you're having, it'll search for images that match it and kind of make a video that goes along with your audio. Again, not not always the best. It's, you know, it's still a very new kind of technology, but I think that that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Or at least as sort of a, a rough draft way of gathering visualization stuff for you to then manually smooth out in a finished video. Yeah. Pretty cool. I don't know that product, but I'm going to have to look into that. I've headliner, headliner, headliner. It does a lot of things, but that's one of the kind of beta functions that it has in it. Plug for headliner. They're great. <laughs> now, I think we are both alumni of podcast movement. I've yes, I've been there. I went to the Chicago one a few years ago. I know you've been there more recently than I have. Jamie, what do you see as some of the emerging trends? Have you been struck with anything in particular as you go to an event like that and see what is emergent and where things are going? Sure. I, well, I think it, the first podcast movement conference that I went to um, was last summer in Orlando, which was a fantastic experience and love the organizers, love how they put together. I mean, it's probably one of the best most professional um, events I've ever been to, very well organized. Um, but even at that event, to see then appropriately the evolution of how podcasting has gone from summer of last year to then Podcast Movement hosted a, a first of their events like this called um, Podcast Movement Evolutions in Los Angeles. Really what you started to see is this huge pickup in the interest of mainstream media in podcasting, because I'm sure, you know, you recall very well that podcasting really was a medium for, you know, for the everyday person. And over the course of the last couple of years, and then, but certainly over the course of the last year, the mainstream media has really picked up on it. And so now, you know, at Podcast Movement Evolutions, there were celebrities there, um, not many I knew of because I don't really watch a whole lot of television. <laughs> but um, one thing I saw was this kind of um, people who already have a voice and a space in our mainstream media coming into podcasting, which I, you know, people feel good and bad about. Um, so that's one trend I saw. The other trend I see is fiction you know, the growth of fiction podcasting and that kind of storytelling, which is really great. I, I love the idea because I, I don't know, I have some kind of romantic idea of like my grandparents sitting around a radio. I have this great recording of my grandmother talking about how during World War II, they would, you know, or actually before World War II, when she was a kid, um, you know, sitting in front of the radio and listening to these stories and kind of getting taken into far off places. Uh, I love that podcasting is also one of those mediums that we have where we can tell stories like actual stories, <laughs> not real life stories per se, but you can create this whole space uh, in audio and take people into kind of new worlds. And that's a really big trend. I also do think that another thing that I saw with podcasting is people 
really getting more into the art and the science of it. So whereas I think people were podcasting for fun before, I think now people are more and more taking the production of it seriously, the quality of it seriously. You know, they want to do to produce really high quality work, even if it's something that they're just doing as a hobby, um, which I think is wonderful because, you know, nobody really wants to sit and listen to really bad audio. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. There's a real maturation across the board yeah. where you see people, whether the motivation is monetization mm -hmm. and to have something that people will want to come back to and maybe pay for if mm -hmm. some of some or all of it goes behind a paywall. We see that on YouTube. Yeah. I'm struck by the young ASMR artists who go from iPhone cameras to fairly like semi-professional studio setups in their home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it might be a 20-year-old person with a million subscribers. And I don't know what kind of ad revenue they're getting, but they have taken the leap and they, they've got the production value that's commensurate with it. I, I think that is a trend. The other trend you're talking about where some of the big, big corporate big boys are moving into the space that I can understand the mixed reaction to that in what was very much a grassroots homegrown type of space for a long time. Mm -hmm. But the influence is undeniable. You know, the same way that I, I think most of us get our news from social media than from the nightly news, we see the same thing with all these media. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, especially where it comes to radio, um, I've met a couple of really interesting people who were primarily in radio and then ended up switching their business from radio advertising to podcasting. Uh, and I think that's one of the big reasons why the mainstream media has gotten into podcasting is because, you know, the revenue, they, they recognize that you can make money. Um, significant amounts of money doing podcasts, which I think no one really thought would be possible, but certainly is possible. And there's lots of stories in the media I've read lately that talk about that and that struggle between kind of the artist creators who are making the shows and then the the networks, the larger networks that are, you know, sponsoring and, and uh, paying for those shows. Really interesting stuff. Um, one of the things I, I forgot to mention too um, that I saw that I think is really important is how podcasts are a great way to build community, whether you're doing that to monetize the community or not. I've seen podcasters who are there to mobilize communities using podcasts. Um, I sat through a great presentation at Podcast Movement where the the podcaster, he, he's an HVAC technician, um, so air conditioning. And you think like, why does an air conditioning tech guy have a podcast? But amazingly, he has a huge following um, because if you think about it, air conditioning units are everywhere in every building, in every city, in every country, <laughs> just about. And, uh, you know, so he's built this huge following of people who are in that industry and the way that he's chosen to construct that community um, has been, is just, it's a really fascinating story. But I like this idea that podcasts can be used as a way to, to create new communities or connect communities that are people who do the same thing or have similar interests. I think that that's a pretty great aspect of podcasting as well. 
Yeah, it really allows a person like that to build this type of capital, whether it's just purely for advertising. I'm reminded that HVAC mm -hmm. example that you're talking about. Uh, I see many things like this. They often they begin as someone providing mm -hmm. service tips on whatever their given spaces. In this case, HVAC. And it serves as a calling card for their business, but then it often grows into kind of its own thing. There's a famous example of a swimming pool salesman that mm -hmm. you may have heard of Sales Lion, where he, he began telling people how to sell, how to, how to be better salespersons in their businesses and differentiate themselves. And his stuff grew so much where he kind of transitioned from pool salesman to mm -hmm. sales guru through this. So it's creating all kinds of career paths and spawning content creators from the most unlikeliest walks of life. Absolutely. And on that note about community, I've always viewed this show, The Learning Circle, as a community type mm -hmm. of show. It's got a, a number of aims in it. One is just to kind of be a part of the dialogue of the learning and development field. This goes out to the world. And the hope is that instructional designers and technologists from various walks of life will find it and maybe pick something up. And then in the other direction, it's an investigative endeavor on my part to speak to experts out there and perhaps absorb information and bring back knowledge back to our organization. So it's a, a two-way conversation from which everyone benefits. But in the process of it, you're fostering a sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. As we turn our thoughts inward, I wanted to ask you, what are your thoughts about the promise of podcasting inside the enterprise, inside our organizations? I think there's a lot of utility and I've seen a lot of great examples of organizations that use podcasts internally to both train and inform their internal staff also to maintain or create certain culture inside their organization. Um, but also as a way for an organization and enterprise to communicate out to its clients or customers what it is they're doing and, you know, the successes that their customers or clients have gained from working with them. I mean, there's a lot of utility to the podcast because it's it potentially, you know, it's a short learning opportunity. It could be anywhere between five minutes or an hour, depending on, you know, what the topic might be. But it's just really a great opportunity for, uh, and this is where I'm interested in podcasting from my own professional standpoint is, you know, for in, in the framework of knowledge management, one of the biggest challenges we have in organizations is retaining our corporate knowledge, right? Retaining the knowledge that people generate and the expertise they generate um, so that the organization can learn from it and grow from it, whether the person is there or retires. Um, that's a big deal. And so an organization being able to have a podcast or a series of podcasts, um, I'm thinking off the top of my head, I'm thinking like the Mayo Clinic. I met a couple of podcast producers from the Mayo Clinic, and they literally have dozens of podcasts inside their organization to help um, capture the knowledge of 
different experts, you know, cardiologists or, you know, pe- people who specialize in, in particular diseases, uh, they have podcasts for those. And they have found that that's a much better and much more accessible format. Uh, podcasts can make learning for individuals inside an organization much easier uh, as opposed to picking up a manual or reading a blog or um, downloading a document that you have to spend time with. Having a podcast that's short and that someone can listen to at their desk while they're doing maybe other things. Um, but, you know, giving people that opportunity to learn something and then be able to reference it very quickly and go back to it, I think is a really effective way of doing knowledge shares inside of organizations. So in this Mayo Clinic example, these are doctors creating content Um, for doctors? The the podcasters I met weren't doctors. They were, I think a lot of times in organizations, they tend to be um, HR personnel or they're they're the learning personnel inside the organization, um, which Mayo Clinic obviously has some learning folks. But the intended audiences are often doctors or, you know, specialists on particular topics, which is pretty neat. So again, going back to that idea of community where they're creating podcast content that's internal to very specific communities of practice inside their organizations. That's great. And in that other example that you mentioned just about how a company can communicate internally and to its customers, it's almost like the podcast becomes newsletter 2.0. It's mm-hmm. another way of doing that type of outreach, but then bringing it forward to your more recent comments. Mm-hmm. I think we're battling forgetting curves, right? Where as knowledge deteriorates and we're also promulgating knowledge. So it's spreading it and also, again, battling the knowledge from disappearing. Because there's so many ways that knowledge disappears. It walks out the door. Mm-hmm. People leave with institutional knowledge or everything from SOPs to other policies just without enough exposure and repetition they they might not be in force as or in practice like they might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think all those things are are applications. Sure, and going back to what you said, which I think is a, a really interesting way to use podcasting is, I mean, especially right now, think about how much the leadership in organizations have had to talk to their people but do it remotely and not have the benefit of sitting inside of a building and, you know, holding a meeting in an auditorium to tell the, you know, the folks what's going on. I mean, of course you could do that in an email. And I think a lot of uh, corporate leaders will, will do that, but think about what we talked about earlier, how the podcast, how the voice carries so much more meaning than just the written word especially right now um, during COVID-19, there are a lot of people who are scared. There are a lot of people who are concerned about their jobs, their health. Um, So what a better way to personalize messages from leadership inside your organization than a podcast, a really simple internal podcast. And it's an effective way to communicate to your people in general, especially if you're growing and, you know, a, a CEO doesn't necessarily have time to be talking to all of their personnel or have that, you know, open door policy where everybody's coming in. And again, going back to what's happening right now, people can't come into the office physically. Um, So, you know, having that ability to talk, actually talk to people using this medium can be really powerful too. 
It really can be. We have an example of this in our organization at DAU where Mm -hmm. we have amplified the voice of our executives in this way. I did a series with our vice president where whereas he had been producing some videos interviewing people – I would then kind of turn the tables and open him up to sort of have him open up his mind and and thoughts on a given topic. And it was just a wonderful way to hear from leadership and be a fly on the wall of those conversations that often don't get heard. They're behind the closed doors of bosses that are a few bosses removed from you normally. Uh, But what a, a rich way to share that and develop and foster that sense of community as an organization. Yeah, I thought that was one of the most impressive things about DAU when I was there was that you were doing those interviews because really only a a very small amount of people get to talk to senior leaders sort of behind the scenes. And I like that you opened that up so that people could see a little bit more into his thinking and his processes. And, you know, also, you know, the, the, the thoughts that he had after the fact Right. Because it's one thing to see a leader in motion talking and doing these interviews. It's another thing to hear them talking about, well, you know, now that I've had time to process this, what did I take away? What are my thoughts? And to get that opportunity to hear that is not necessarily something people normally get to do, but they can do in the format of listening to a podcast. And I think that's really powerful. Yeah, it it really is. There's so many different applications for it, and it's continuing to mature, as we said. I was just speaking with some folks from a company that produce enterprise podcasting platforms mm-hmm. so that it, it kind of creates like the internal version of Apple Podcasts right. so that it doesn't become a clunky, difficult thing of – you know, just hanging a, an audio file on a page somewhere. It provides a platform for people to publish and for listeners to subscribe. And so that type of experience is now being brought to the enterprise level in a better way. And it's, it's just all a testament to how this medium has grown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've just gotten through this COVID episode almost, almost. We're starting to see things open up, more of us going back to our bricks-and-mortar lifestyle, which means getting in the car. And what I'm alluding to is how that commute has been kind of the quintessential way that people were consuming podcasts, typical way that people consume a portable media like podcasts. They were Mm -hmm. using their commutes to do it. I think we've seen a drop-off with that. People haven't been commuting. Their patterns have changed, and maybe they're consuming less podcasts right now. But I expect that'll change in the near future. What do you think? I I agree. Um, There definitely has been. I've been reading up um, Podcast Movement does a really great job of sharing sort of what's happening in the industry. And that's definitely been a trend is now that people aren't commuting, they're not listening as much. I guess people aren't listening to podcasts as much as they were because they don't have that commute time and we're all kind of home, probably watching too much Netflix. Um, (laughs) But I think you're right. I think that's going to change. And I also wonder though, and it's too early to tell, if everyone's sort of being at home and working from home and developing sort of a new awareness of what they care about, what they, you know, how they want to work moving forward. Um, Is their work valuable? I feel like there's a whole series potentially of 
information, new thoughts and ideas that are going to come out of this COVID time period. And, you know, those will fuel new podcasts. You know, it might be people having found the time at home to write and creating fiction podcasts, but it also might be people who have done a lot of thinking about what they do professionally and are maybe able to share that on podcasts. Um, I think that there's, it's exciting. There's a lot of potential out there. And I imagine people, once they start commuting and going back to work, will definitely be plugged back into podcasts, either their favorite ones or their new ones that they might have picked up on while we've been hunkered down at home. Oh, absolutely. It's been a massive social experiment in a way. You know, we <laughs> hit the pause button and that's when people have time to reflect and they have epiphanies. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the creative part of us as human beings, I, I think that's going to find its expression in podcasts as, as well as other art forms and, and mm -hmm. media. Great. Where do you see things going as, as we kind of look ahead are there any particular things you're excited to see continue to develop? What do you think is around the bend for podcasting? Well, I think, so I guess I'll frame this by saying probably one of the more interesting things that I think has happened since we've all been socially distancing at home is that even though social media kind of has been the venue for people to see behind the scenes of famous people or influential people, you know, I watched shows that are normally produced in a studio that are now produced in people's homes. And you see celebrities hanging out with their kids and cutting their own hair and, you know, very non-glamorous kinds of things, right? which I think is very necessary and is a really good thing for our society. <laughs> but I think what that has done is emphasized even more so to a lot of people that we're all just people, you know, living in these same spaces in this very unusual time. And none of us were, although I know there's stories around this, but, you know, very few of us were above this, right? Everybody, no matter you know, how wealthy you might have been, you're, you were still social distancing, you still had to change the way you were doing things in order to, you know, comply with what what was needed to be done. Um, yeah, it was a great leveler, yeah, a great equalizer. Absolutely. And in the same way, I think, um, because podcasting definitely has been that leveler and equalizer in terms of voice and agency, I think we're going to start seeing potentially more of that um, and more insightful podcasts and, you know, more creators out there. And I know there are a lot of people who complain that, oh, podcasts are saturated, except, you know, last time I checked, I walked into the library and there are thousands and thousands of books and I don't complain about a single one of them. So like, <laughs> no, no I, I don't believe that either. Yeah. And and all the you know all of the presuppositions and assumptions about podcasting and none of them are mm -hmm. really true. Look at a Joe Rogan yeah. talk about model busting. You know we see podcasts that go on for three hours long. Yeah. Uh, we see a guy. Well, in the case of Rogan, you know mixed martial artist turned media mm -hmm. mogul. You know he just did a deal with Spotify. Yeah which is seismic. And in this case, it all began with a podcast by a guy named Joe Rogan. So just kind of an interesting current event to point out the power of some podcasters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, um, one thing we haven't mentioned is 
this sort of economic downturn and the economic uncertainty for a lot of people. I mean, because yes, there are a lot of people who are very fortunate like myself and you to be able to work from home and not lose income. Um, But there were so many people who lost their jobs, who lost their businesses because we had to stay home and there really wasn't a way for them to, to continue working. And I'm not quite sure what's going to come of that, but I feel like when things like that happen, creativity comes out of that. Innovation comes out of that. And I know a lot of people are certainly focused on the negatives of that because there's, you know, I'm not trying to make it sound like it's better than it is, but you know, people have to eat, people have to support their families. But at the same time, I wonder if out of all of that will also come this amazing new wave of creativity and and creative efforts that might be enabled by podcasting or other easy to access media that are out there. So I think that there's some good that could come out of the struggles that are happening right now and that podcasting can be that platform for a lot of people. I think so. That what you're describing and also how mediums like podcasts can help people in their retraining and mm-hmm. and career change. And then also when, when your paychecks are few and far between, it's a free medium by and large mm-hmm. still. Yep. Uh, there are paid forms of podcasting, but it is by and large a free entertainment resource, mm-hmm. and you know you can't beat that. So a lot of a lot of benefits to this medium, and I'm happy to be a part of it. And I'm happy that I got to talk to you today, Jamie. I think we've provided uh, a little bit of food for thought today, and I know you've provided me some. And I want to thank you for being a part of the show. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved having this conversation. This was a lot of fun. I hope to publish it out soon. Please share it with all your network. I'd love to, like we were describing, just spread the word in this way. And I hope to have you back again in the future. I would love that. Thanks, Anthony. Oh, thank you, Jamie. Take care. Thank you for listening. To catch up on all of our shows, subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Learning Circle is produced and distributed by the Defense Acquisition University.